Amen. Well, I don't have to ask you if you're excited. So there you go. Well, I just did, I guess, in the video, didn't I? Uh, how many of you excited about being here this morning? Amen. I tell you, uh, this week we made that video, and we just wanted to, uh, to, to make a video where we sort of highlighted the progress that's being done there, but we want to tell you about something even more exciting than just what you saw on the video. Uh, this next Sunday afternoon, okay, a week from today, uh, next Sunday afternoon at 4.30, from 4.30 to 6, we are going to have an open house. And so we want to invite all of you to come out and to tour the new facility Come and check it out, but not just take a tour. What we want to ask you to do also is to bring your Sharpie or to bring your glitter pen or whatever you like to, to write with. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're just going to go and we're going to write our favorite scriptures on the studs of the, of the church or we're going to write a prayer or we're going to uh, do whatever it is that we want to do, draw a cross, whatever it is that you want to do. But we're going to pray over that building uh, as, as we get closer and closer to moving in. We just want to just spend as much time as we can praying, but we also just want to give you an opportunity to come out and see the progress that's being made. I know a lot of you have been asking questions like, what's going on in there? How's it look? And so this will be your opportunity. And I know some of you here today may be going, well, man, I'm not going to be here next weekend. And you're, you're already sort of discouraged by that, but don't worry. We're going to have several more opportunities before we move in to, to come out and be a part. But bring your family this next Sunday at 4.30. It's going to be an amazing time together as a church where we just uh, walk through the halls and prepare for what God's going to do in that place. How many of you are truly excited about that? Amen? I tell you, I, I can't wait. Uh, we are on schedule with everything. Uh, everything's moving along and progressing uh, really well. And uh, we are looking at being there for our first Sunday on Easter Sunday. What an amazing Sunday that will be. Amen? A great opportunity for us to be there. I, I can't wait, and I know you can as, as well, because God's going to use that building as an instrument to continue reaching this community with the gospel, and he's going to continue to transform lives in that building, and disciples are going to be made, and ultimately, co-laborers are going to be raised up and sent out to impact this world for Jesus, and I can't, I just can't get over that. That is, that is a remarkable truth. God has brought us a long ways, Cross Point, and I couldn't be more excited about that. Continue to pray for the project. Continue to pray that God would, would indeed use that. He already has in a remarkable way, as we've had a lot of opportunity just to even share and minister and pray with even the workers there. Pray for the workers, uh, you know, as they continue to just build that building. Every day there on that site is a possibility for a personal injury, and we would never want that to happen on that site. And so just pray for those that are working. Pray for them to discover Jesus if they don't already know. And uh, it's just an exciting time. I was talking to Bill Hurley just uh, not long ago, and he, he introduced me to a guy who he's been having conversation with, and, uh, and, and the, the young man is, is uh, wanting to give his life to Christ and be baptized. And so just an amazing thing that's already taken place out there at the new facility. And so just be praying for that. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into God's Word here. We're continuing in the series called Share the Season. And we've been looking at, um, at Jesus in a lot of different ways. And uh, in case you didn't know who we were about around here at Cross Point Church, we wrote it on the wall for you, okay? Uh, and so hopefully uh, today you know what we're all about, and it's Jesus, amen? And so I thought it was really interesting. I was sitting down there and, and uh, just worshiping just like you were, and, and I, I, was, I was just staring at that Jesus. I just thought it was just so cool. And then I closed my eyes in prayer, and I could see Jesus on the back of my eyelids. So the, 
the bright lights just kind of infused Jesus on, on, in my mind. And so I thought that was really cool. But maybe, and, and as I said that, some of you were already nodding your heads because I guess you were seeing the same thing. So we get to walk out of here with Jesus on the back of our eyelids today, and that's, that's a neat thing. So uh, let me pray for us. We're going to dive into God's Word this morning and continue in worship. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we are so grateful for just the incredible work that you're doing in this place. And Lord, it's not just the, the things like uh, physical buildings being raised, God, in your name and, your, and for your glory, but God, it's the, it's the spiritual things, the way you continue to work in people's hearts and how you continue to change lives. And Father, as we enter into this time uh, that we have called Share the Season, God, we, we have so much to share. But Lord, that which we have uh, most to share is, is the gospel message that points people to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and helps them to discover the hope and the joy and the peace that they can have in Christ Jesus, just like we have discovered that. And so, Father, I pray today as we continue in this series, as we continue to walk through the Scripture and discover all that you are about, God, I pray that you would help us to to just take these truths and apply them to our lives. And God, that, that ultimately we would become people who are, who are just very much committed to sharing Jesus with our community. God, we embrace the commission, the, the, the task, the, the mission that you have given us to reach our community for Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to do that. We thank you for the privilege that it is to do that. And Lord, we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, I had uh, I'd finished a sermon on tithing, and I had a young man who came up to me, and uh, after the sermon, and he was he was uh, he was had a few questions he just wanted to ask me, and and uh, he he walked up, and I'll never forget the question that he asked. He says, Pastor David, he says, why is it that Scripture has such an emphasis on giving and generosity? It wasn't the question I thought he was going to ask me after the, uh, the, the tithing message. I thought that there may be pushback, but indeed, he said, he said I know that we're supposed to give, and I, I embrace that. I understand that we're supposed to give, but, but what is the purpose behind Scripture being so vocal about giving and generosity and those sorts of things? He was just really curious about that, and I never really thought too much about it. You know, I just had always embraced the, the truth that Jesus calls us to be generous and that's good enough for me, and I never really thought a lot about the, the purpose of Scripture giving such testimony to it. And as I sat there and I thought about it, I said, well, you know, I think one of the reasons that we may give, obviously this is the easy one to point to, is the very practical thing that we can point to, and that is that, that we give to give to the vision and the mission that Christ has given us as a corporate body of believers or as the body of Christ who gather together. And so, he give, he, we give so that we can continue reaching Valdosta for Christ. That's the easy answer. But I thought about what he was really asking. And the, the reason behind why Scripture points so intentionally toward this idea of giving. In fact, what Jesus, they say in Scripture, most scholars believe that Jesus talks more about finance than most every other issue in Scripture. So why would that be? And I got to thinking about it, and the answer I gave him, and was sort of convinced that this was why Scripture gives such a testimony, is because through our generosity, and one of the things I said to him, I said, I said, here's the reality. We have 
a generous God. How many of you agree with that this morning? That we have a, a generous God. We have a very generous God. And we have a God who is a, a God who generously gives to us in abundance. You know, the reality is, is that we have most everything we need in life. Amen? And so we have a generous God. And so as I thought about what he was asking, I, I thought about the reality that as the church, and even as individual followers of Christ, that we have an opportunity to give, and, and our giving, when we give, we put on display the generous character or the character of God, the nature of God, that he is in fact generous. And so what we do is we bring glory to God by giving of ourselves. When we give, we put on display the reality that he is a generous God. And I thought about that, and I, I began to wonder about that, and and, and as we were walking through this, this series and putting this thing together, uh, myself and some of the other staff that, that meet with me on this on, on the sermon series planning and stuff, we, we started thinking about this. And what I, what I thought about was just the, the reality that God is so generous, and yet he gives us opportunity to be generous too. And so this morning, I want to talk about this truth. That Jesus is charitable. Jesus is charitable. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or, or whatever you're looking at Scripture with with me, go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. We see something really amazing in this passage, but, but the, the reality is, is that Jesus is charitable. He is, a, he is generous, and, and, and if we examine our own lives, we see the generosity of God in our own life. But as we dive into Luke, we, we have something really important to discover here, something really, I think, amazing to discover. The Gospel of Luke starts out just about like all the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, I mean, and John. You know, we look at these others. But here we see that Luke starts out just like the others by sort of announcing the arrival of Christ. In other words, as we begin to read Luke, we see the birth, and then we see the baptism, and we even see the temptation of Jesus, and so we, we see all of this playing out. So it's the, it points to the arrival of Jesus Christ, the fact that, that several thousand years ago there was a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, and, and lo and behold, that baby would change the world because his name was Jesus which, and, and Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, and you know the story. We know the story, but we see this being played out. And as we continue to read in Luke, not far from uh, the scriptures teaching us about the arrival of Christ, we begin to also see that Jesus launches his ministry. He begins this just like some of the other gospels point out by calling his disciples. And so he rounds up those whom he will pour into, whom he will raise up and train and teach. And he, he calls his disciples. But then Jesus begins his teaching ministry. We see in Matthew 5 and 6 what we have always known as the, the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts off with the Beatitudes in, in Matthew 5. And, and Jesus begins to teach his disciples. He begins to teach those who are, uh, you know, around him that would listen. Oftentimes what we see is Jesus teaching his disciples. And many times the crowds would come and they would gather around him. And they would sort of listen in on the teachings that Jesus was presenting. And so... Here we see that same thing happening in Luke. And by the time we get to chapter 6, Jesus is really beginning to teach the different 
things that he wants to teach. He's addressing different issues. And we get to this passage, verse 38 in chapter 6, and Jesus says something very profound to me. Jesus says something very profound. He says something that just really is, is sort of amazing to me because what he does is he relates our giving or our generosity to the generosity of God or he relates God's generosity to the generosity of man, however you want to look at it there. But we see that Jesus brings these two together. And so he's teaching us these things. And so this is what I want us to look at here in verse 38 of chapter 6 in Luke. Reading from the ESV, it says this. Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, I realize that in reading this passage, we must be careful how we interpret this. Uh, this is, this is a, a passage of Scripture that, that uh, is, is a bit tricky as we look at it, and, and primarily because in our world today, we, we are very familiar with the controversy surrounding what many would call the prosperity gospel. And in the prosperity gospel, it basically teaches this idea that that if we give of our money, if we give of our finances, that what Jesus' intention is, is to make us wealthy. And so in return for us giving, he's going to, he's going to pour out blessing on our life in the area of financing. And yet when we read this, this is exactly what it sounds like. It sounds as though there's sort of this prosperity thing that's being taught, and we have to be, uh, we, we have to be, uh, true to God's word. We want to understand the truth of what God's word is saying here. So as we look at this verse, we have to be careful in trying to understand clearly what Jesus is trying to communicate in this verse. I want us to look at the New Living Translation, which is another translation that we often read. Uh, I know many of you read from this uh, translation, and it says the same thing, but maybe offers a little more clarity to us this morning. Basically, we read this, and it says this in the New Living Translation, same verse, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. So what is it that Jesus is teaching? What is it that Jesus is trying to say? We've got to realize that what Jesus is saying, the biggest piece to what he is communicating here is, is a piece concerning generosity. So whereas maybe the prosperity gospel may, may teach that we are to give and then we are to receive and that we can increase our bank account, where here the idea that Jesus is, is giving is give and God will add to your, your ability to now give even more, to use this money for the kingdom of God, to use your provision for the kingdom of God, to use the resources in which you have been given for the kingdom of God. And so the whole idea that, that Jesus is pointing out to us in this verse is he is bringing God's generosity. We, we've all recognized that God is very generous to us. We know that to be the truth. We worship a God who is very generous to us. And, and, and so he brings the generosity of God and he merges it together with the generosity of man. 
It's very powerful. When you start to think about all that's being taught to us here, the, the basic, and you've heard this saying, I know before, the, the basic thing that, that Jesus is trying to communicate to us this morning is this, is that you cannot outgive God. How many of you believe that this morning? That you cannot outgive God? For those of you in here today who have practiced generosity, maybe at a level that stretched you a little bit beyond what you felt like, you know, you've seen that. You could give testimony to that. In fact, I've had a lot of people who gave testimony to the fact that as they gave, they didn't know if they could even afford to give, and yet God gave even more. And it just blows them away. It blows us all away as we think about how generous God is, and yet he is giving that we could be more generous, that we could put on display the generosity of God through our own giving. And so here we see that what Jesus is trying to teach us is that you just simply cannot outgive God. God's going to return what you give plus. And that's the truth that we have in God's Word. We can't simply avoid passages like this just because they may be controversial in our world today. This is the truth of God's Word. Matthew Henry says it like this. He says, give and it shall be given to you. God in his providence, he will reward it to you. It is lent to him and he is not unrighteous to forget it, but he will pay it again for God often makes us of men as instruments, not only of his avenging, but also of his rewarding justice. I love that. What Matthew Henry is saying here is he says that God is often uses mankind, God uses his children as instruments in the Redeemer's hands. We know that. We know that we are servants of Christ Jesus, that we are called to serve him and his kingdom in, in different ways. And he says here, not only does God bless us financially or with provision or resources or even gifting, but God blesses us that we in turn could be used as instruments in his hand, specifically as it relates to a rewarding justice. This is really cool to me. The simple truth is that God is generous and he blesses those who are generous. This isn't new to the, to the New Testament. We see this in the Old Testament as well. In Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25, it says this, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds and he, uh, what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. And so here we have this, these truths that are pointing to this reality that through our generosity, we get a glimpse and we even are on the receiving end of God's generosity. And as Jesus proclaims this truth, and as others in Scripture proclaim this truth, we begin to see the correlation between God's generosity and our generosity. You just simply can't outgive Him. When you were a generous person. And so here's what we see. You know, when, when writing to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, he must have been aware. He must have been very keenly aware that some of his listeners, some of the people that he was writing to, some of, the, some of his audience, was feeling as though if they gave of their resources, that they wouldn't have enough of those resources to pay their own bills to meet their own needs. He must have been aware of that because in his writing to the Corinthians, 
we see these same truths being written. We see this, this idea that Paul is bringing to the table, which is in perfect alignment to what Jesus was teaching in this passage and many of the other passages of Scripture teach us as well. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he said this. He said, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so Paul's basically proclaiming the same thing that we see in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. And so we see this, and we have to try to understand it. We have to try to understand why it is that, that God would bless us in such a fashion and as we read through the scriptures and the word of God, we see that he does this, that we may be used as instruments in the Redeemer's hands to advance the kingdom of God and ultimately bring glory to himself. Through all the things that we use our gifting and our resources for, for his kingdom. Paul goes on to say this in verse 7. He says, each one of us must decide in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we have to be very careful that we're not giving out of this sort of grumbling, dutiful obedience. Well, the pastor's asking for money again. It's never been about that. And by the way, I'm not asking for your money. I'm just preaching the word of God, and you do with it what you want. I'm not doing that. I'm just simply showing you what the Word of God has to say about the, the issue. I'm not, one who, who, I, I'm not one who really speaks too much on this issue. And yet we have it in Scripture and we cannot ignore it. Jesus was charitable. So therefore, if we are to be like Jesus, then we as the children of God must be what? Charitable. We must be generous. We must be people who are people of generosity. And that's what Scripture teaches over and over and over as we read through it. It says here in verse 7, each one must decide his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So why don't we pray about what God is telling us to give? Uh, you know, as we approach a season of the year, which giving seems to be more on our heart anyway, that's why we're doing a series called Share the Season, because typically most of us in this room are already in a place where we want to share. We want to give. We want to bless others. We want to live out our life in those regards. And so here we, we look at a passage here and we come to understand if we want to know who Jesus was, well, Jesus was one of the most charitable people that ever walked on earth. God gives generously that we may also give generously and ultimately put on display his generosity. He continues in writing to the Corinthians. He says this. He says, He who supplies the seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for what? For sowing. It's given not that you may store it up for yourselves. The blessings come not that you may increase your wealth. The, the seed is given from the sower. God himself is, is furnishing what we receive through his generosity that we would be also sowers of the seed. We would, 
that he would multiply our supply, he would multiply our seed for what? For sowing and that increased the harvest of your righteousness. He says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So here's what we learn from this. God loves a cheerful giver. We see that. He challenges us to be generous in every way. And then we notice that God is the one who supplies the seed, and he supplies the seed that we would be sowers of the seed. Giving generously is not for our gain, but it's for our glory. I mean, it's not our glory, God's glory. Excuse me. Woo! That's heresy, by the way. Giving generously is not done for our gain. It's given for God's glory, okay? For God's glory. That's why we give. And he gives us generously that we would be enabled to give. Now, anytime there's a a message that deals with the issue of generosity and giving and that sort of thing, I've always noticed the church gets real quiet during these messages. Have you ever noticed that? Although, although you guys are being pretty good about it. It's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's just the Word of God, right? We're just walking through the Word of God. It's something we have to look at. But every time we, we dive into texts like this, it's, it's always amazing because the, the, this question will always seem to spring up. So when we give, what are we giving to? And you know what? That's a, that's a real legitimate question to ask, isn't it? It's a question that we should know. It's a question that we should ask. It's a question that is a legitimate question. And so I think, it's, I think it's real important for us to answer that question. I said earlier, as I was talking about the conversation I had with the, the young man, is that the reality is when he came to me, I said the easy answer to our talking about our generosity is that when we give, we are given to the vision and the mission of Christ Jesus. And so when we give money, we are giving money in hopes that that money would be used to further his kingdom, to, to reach the community, to reach the areas of our community where people live, work, and play. We want to go out into the community, we want to reach people with the gospel, and we want people to know Jesus. That's what we have, so to speak, to sell, right, is the gospel. We don't sell it, though, we give it away. We just want to go out and give it away. We want to give Jesus to others. We want lives to be transformed by the power and presence of God. That's our desire. That's our desire. But that's the easy answer. You know, for whatever reason, it just seems that a lot of times people have a harder time giving to the church. And I guess there's just a lot of reasons why, why people have a hard time giving to the church. But it seems as though sometimes people have a harder time giving to the church than they do, say, you know, giving money for a well in Africa or, you know, feeding children that are starving, uh, you know, or some other parachurch ministry. And all of those things are good things to give to. I'm not saying that they're not. I think we should give to those things. But I think sometimes there's sort of a misunderstanding of what the church really is. The church is to be the mission. The church is to be the mission in which it is planted. Wherever Christ has assembled people together, that is the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Church has never been about walking in here and listening to the music and listening to the preacher and then leaving these doors only to come back next week having done nothing for the kingdom of God. That's not church. We have been assembled here 
by a gracious and generous God that we would be discipled and we would be sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God only to be sent out into a community to make a difference in the community in which we live, work, and play. That's what the church is. And so as we think about what Jesus is saying here and as we think about how we are generous in our giving, what do we, what do we challenge ourselves with? How is it that we are going to be faithful in our generosity? Are we going to engage and belong to that which we say we engage and belong to? We're going to give in other places. You see, one of the remarkable things about this church is it is a mission. It is a mission. In fact, your staff, your team that is working here day in and day out uh, is, is your local missionaries to this city. You see, you look at Spence Parkinson, he's up here playing a guitar. You see a man who's incredibly talented in, in, in music and, and in leading others every Sunday in this place. But when I look up here and see Spence Parkinson, I see a missionary. I see a man who's called by God to Valdosta, Georgia, to make disciples and ultimately send out co-laborers to make other disciples in other places. And Spence is involved in that. When I walk into the office on, uh, during the week and I, I walk by and I see Michelle sitting there, our financial administrator, and, and, and you know we, we engage in conversation. I, I'm, I'm looking, she's not to me, she's not just a financial administrator, she's a missionary to this church. She is helping the effort to reach others for Jesus that ultimately... The church would grow, not that that's our, that's our target, to, that's not our aim to grow the church, but it grows as a, as a result of the body of Christ being who Christ has called them to be. We go out into this world, we share the gospel, we share the gospel, people get saved, they get baptized, and the church increases. That's what happens. So we give to be a part of the missional effort. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so what are we giving to? Well, we're giving to reach our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem, the community in which we live, work, and play. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for just a moment a body of believers who believe so much in the vision and the mission that Christ has given them that they give all of themselves to that effort? And as a result of being people who are generous not only with their time and their money, but also their other resources. As a result, we come to a day where there is no one in Valdosta, Georgia, who has not heard the gospel according to Christ. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. I believe God wants to use us and the other churches in this community to do such a thing, to reach our community for Jesus. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, I, I, will, I, will, I will be so thankful when the day comes, and I believe it's coming, Cross Point Church. I'll be so thankful when the day comes where Valdosta, Georgia will not just simply be known as Title Town. 
but we'll be known as the city on a hill for Jesus. Where Valdosta, Georgia has a direct impact on the rest of the world, not just because of our church, but because of the churches in this community reaching our city for Jesus. So when you give, you're giving to your Jerusalem. When we give, we're, we're giving to build a permanent home for our church so that we can come in, we can be sanctified, we can be discipled, and we can be sent out into the community. We're giving to a permanent home. When we give, we're giving for children to be discipled, children's ministry to take place, and youth ministry, and college ministry, and celebrate recovery, and all the other ministries in, that are going on in this place. When we give, we're giving to our Jerusalem. That's our Jerusalem. When we give, we give to our Judea and our Samaria. We've launched a campus in Quitman, and, and not too long from, the, from now, we'll be launching another campus in Madison, Florida. Amen. We've got people down there right now that are gathering who have called and said, will you come to Madison? There are people here who need Jesus and can't make it to Valdosta. How can you say no to the Macedonian call? Madison, Florida. When we give, we are given to our Judea Samaria, which is Raleigh, North Carolina, which is Boston, Massachusetts. That's our Judea. That's our Samaria. When we give, we are giving to reach the ends of the earth. We have partners in Honduras. We have partners in Ethiopia. We have partners in India. We are giving to reach these places with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says here in our passage, Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you will give will determine the amount you will get back. So here we have the Word of God teaching us that God wants us to be generous people and He enables us to be generous people. How can we help? How can we be a part of that? How can we be generous people? Well, let me just say this. You know, before you give even a dollar more than you've already given, and I want to just say thank you, Cross Point Church, for the generosity that this church exhibits on a daily basis. I tell you, I am blown away. It just seems, it's just amazing to me to see how God raises everything he needs through a group of people who love Jesus and love people. That just never ceases to amaze me. But what I want you to do is before you give another dollar to this place, pray. Pray. Because the reality is God loves a cheerful giver. And God's word teaches us that he is going to enable us to give and to give even more than what we're given, that we could in return do more, reach more, all for his glory. And so pray. As we come to a, a time of, uh, of closing out the service, and in just a moment our band's going to be up here and our pastors will be down front, if you have questions, just like the young man had questions years ago, if you have questions concerning generosity or tithing or giving, we are here to help you answer those questions as you prayerfully pray through what God would call you to give. Now, I know this sounds like an ending that would probably fit best right before we take up offering, right? 
But here's what we want to do. In your bulletin this morning when you walked in here, you'll see something on the back of that bulletin that says second offering. One of the things we want to make available to the church is an opportunity to where we can be generous, however God's calling us to be generous. And next Sunday and throughout the rest of this month, we are going to give you an opportunity to give a second offering. Well, it'll only happen next Sunday. If you, if you can't make it next Sunday, you can give it whenever. If you want to, if God's calling you to do this. This is above and beyond your regular tithe and offering. But what we want to make available to the church is an opportunity. An opportunity to take up a second offering. So next Sunday, we'll take up our regular offering, our regular tithes and offering, just like we do every week. If you're like me, you give electronically. I usually do it on, online because I'm down here getting ready to come up here on Sunday morning. So that's how I do it. You can do it that way if you'd like. But, but we want to make an opportunity for people to give above and beyond what they would normally give. And we've set a goal. We've set a goal for $100,000. Now you might say, well, what's that $100,000 going for? Well, on this thing, there's about 12 things that are, that are listed here, 12 tangible things that we need to raise some extra funds for, things like a children's playground equipment. You know, in our, in our, in our contract, that doesn't include that, but we are, we are committed to putting a, a playground. We have been a church for 11 years without a blade of grass. Did y'all know that? I am so excited. We're going to have like trees and bushes and grass, you know, and on the, amen, amen for our children. And, and on that grass, we're going to put a playground for our children. So that's one tangible way you'll be given, you know, uh, creative arts resources that we need to continue to expand our, our creative arts ministry. All these things are listed uh, on this, uh, you know, stuff for, for uh, signage and, and indoor children's resources evangelism and church planning in Madison, Florida and Boston, Massachusetts and even to raise money for a student center in Honduras with our Honduran partners down there. These are just some of the ways that you would give $100,000. Now some of you are probably thinking, how in the world are we going to raise $100,000 in one Sunday? Let me tell you a story and I'll end with this. About nine years ago, there were 300 people meeting in a warehouse. About 300 people meeting in a warehouse. And we had an opportunity to come into this building. This was an old grocery store, in case you didn't know. It was an old grocery store. And we needed money to build this place out. And we did a, a small campaign, just 30 days, much like we're doing here. But what we needed was $320,000. And in 30 days, less than 300 people raised $320,000. Amen. We are sitting here today because some of you were a part of that group who gave generously. When the church comes together, when the church comes together, we have an opportunity to do amazing things. And you can be a part of the story through your generosity. Now we should never lose sight of the reality that that building is just a building. It's a tool which I'm convinced God is going to use to see people come to know Him. It's a building that will be used for discipleship and worship. 
It's a building that will be used for God to raise up a body of believers who are willing to go out into the streets and continue reaching our city for Christ. It's just a building. But it takes every one of us. And so next Sunday at the end of the service, we're going to take up our second offering. And we're going to see just how awesome God is. This morning, if you have any questions or you have a need to spend any time praying, if you want to come and speak to one of our pastors, our pastors will be down front. This altar is also open if you want to come and just pray. Pray for the workers that are working on the building. Pray for, pray for God to continue doing what God does best, changing lives, using us to reach the community in which we live all for his glory. Come and pray. That's what you feel led to do. But let us be people who respond to the voice of God in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this place. Lord, it is so exciting to, to see you at work in this place. It is so exciting to see the lives that have been changed forever by your presence it's so exciting to know that god you're using us just just regular people in this world for your glory god i thank you for being a generous god and the truth is lord that you have given us more than we could more than we could ever expect you've been good to us Lord and Lord we have an opportunity through our generosity to put on display your character to tell the world God that you are generous and therefore we are generous God, we love you so much and we praise you. And I pray, Father, as we continue to move forward into a new year, as we continue to anticipate moving into a building on Easter Sunday, God, I pray that you would prepare us, you would equip us, you would make us ready. Make us ready. That, Lord, when we look out into the place where we live work and play God when we look out into our community we wouldn't just see a city we would see a mission field and let us embrace the vision and the mission that you have given us as a church let us do it all for your glory and it's in Jesus name we pray amen